romantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. Or the word bollocks. www.dirtyhoors.com Follow us on Facebook at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. We're also on Twitter. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. LNC. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant, Terry Lightfoot. Ulon Sputnik. Tardis Kitty, Miss Tabby. Lord President Sen. <clears throat> Welcome, folks, to this, the 101st official episode of Dirty Hoers. Blah, blah, spoilers, blah, blah, bad language, blah, blah, may contain nuts, not safe for children or for use with household fabrics. You'd think you'd know better by now. You'd think we'd know better by now. Alas, Tabitha is poorly, and as this is impossible to fucking coordinate, because uh, we're never free at the same time, it's like a very complicated drinking game, especially in the summer months when we have other shit and our other halves want us to do things. So we're cracking on without her, and we'll hopefully get her to record something to add in once she's finished coughing up projectile fur balls or whatever it is Uh, this time we're dipping into season 16, the whole of season 16, actually, starting with the Ripos operation, are making our way through the key to time. Uh, 1978, written by Robert Holmes, directed by George Spenton Foster, who also did Image of the Fendal, big favourite of mine, and A Ton of Legs of them. Big Tom, first trip out for Mary Tam, and the introduction of Romana Adventura Lunda, I can never remember it, Romana Adventura Lunda, yes, uh, Fred. And the concept of the Guardians. Oh, God, Guardians, fuck's sake. Uh, John Leeson is the voice of K9, all squeaky new and improved with quieter motors and less radio control hassles. Ain Cuthbertson as Garen, who's great. And we're off with some ratings. I'll get Tabby to explain, unless she's dead, and then I'll use an old clip. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Our rating system is based on how much we would pay for a 70s fille de joie or gentleman caller. At the bottom, we have the free BJ, then 5, 10, 20, and finally $50 up there at the top. Sometimes we add tips and things, if appropriate. It's quite simple, really. Thanks, Tabby. A 10 with a moderate tip. A 10 with no tip. 10, a bottle of Dom Perignon and a picnic in a secluded English meadow without midges. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Solace as we were watching this and we both kind of agreed that if this were made today, mm-hmm. it was a great story. But for some reason for me, the acting was... Uh, more over the top than usual. I get the whole thespian thing. I do. And some of the scenes with Gauron, okay, he was what he was. I mean, he was so ridiculously over the top. And Doctor Who, especially during that era, had, you know, kind of a history of just crazy off-the-wall guest stars. And I get that. But, oh my God, in episode one, Big Tom was so bad. Especially when talking to the Guardian. Yes. And then the the first scene with Romana, oh, fuck. It was just cringy constantly. And this was the beginning of me kind of pushing away from Tom Baker when I was younger. Tom's performance during the 
whole story was just off to me. He seemed very um, like he was playing like Tom being generic Tom and kind of awkward. Yeah, well, it, it mm. didn't. Here's the thing with, with Tom Baker. I've made no secret over the years on this podcast about him not being my favorite doctor's portrayal, but it was genuine. It just wasn't my favorite. Yeah. It, this didn't feel genuine to me. This felt like he was really acting. Like you could see it. Like I don't know what the director and and I know Sputters, you're always the one that, that researches the behind the scenes people on this. I don't know what other episodes in the season this director None did. in this season. Okay. But th- there was just something off about Tom's performance. And since Doctor Who in this era revolved so much around Tom Baker. It really kind of ruined it for me. It's interesting you should say this because I think he, I think that's the problem. I think he was acting because he wasn't exactly fucking chuffed. He was like, I think I can do this on my own now. And he was like that with Leela. He's going to be more like that by now. And right. season 16 was the start of him going proper fucking wackadoodle. Yes. You no. Know? Yeah. It yeah. was, it was the decline of Tom as a, as a performer of this character, one could say. Uh-huh. I think it was the decline of Tom as a human being for a spell. Yeah, sadly. Oh. Yeah, by the time I met him, I think he had climbed out of that hole a bit, but there was a stretch there where it was not good for him. And so I don't know if that's it, but he wasn't working for me. And the rest of it was... 70s Doctor Who. Love it, hate it, whatever. It it was 70s Doctor Who moderately well done and everything else about it i was fine i mean the well you know the costume on the the monster was arguably better than a lot from that era oh fuck off it was dreadful it was no i didn't say it wasn't dreadful i said it was better than others from the era (laughs) creature from the pit (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i mean The story was light, but, you know, it was a good old romp. That story's been told a gazillion times. (laughs) We were sitting there watching it, and we both looked at each other and went, wow, this really feels like out-of-date pantomime Game of Thrones. I looked it up, and George Martin was like 30 when this was broadcast. I'm going, I wonder if he... <laughs> like, yeah. is there some inspiration here? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a fun romp. I love the premise. It had been since Dalek's Master Plan that we had a season arching story arc. Okay, I know yeah. Master Plan wasn't an entire yeah. season, but it damn near would have been in a modern day show, 12 episodes. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yes. A massive deal. Yeah, and, you know, since then we've had a lot of serialized television. Not as much now, but certainly 10 years ago, it seemed like everything was serialized. And I think Doctor Who accidentally, maybe, in this season, hit upon the happy median. It's not completely serialized. Every story is a self-contained story with a light, overarching season plot. And I really like it. That's a happy medium that seems to work really well. And they found it 30 years before a lot of other TV. I love that balance. I presume we're going on and we're working through key to time. It'll okay, take yeah, us three years three years to do it. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> but I love the premise. 
really the reason this wasn't a solid 20 for me was 100% Tom Baker. Mm -hmm. The rest of it I really enjoyed with maybe an extra helping of camp, but that's okay. That's kind of a, when I watch 70s Doctor Who, I I think of the campiness as the dessert at a really good Japanese restaurant. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done that, the desserts are shit with an amazing meal. (laughs) (laughs) So I can take or leave the campiness, but Ooh, big Tom. Sorry, bud. Not happening here. I I just felt like the whole thing was kind of like generic Doctor Who, generic Tom Baker. And the directing was weird on the acting side. I don't know if someone, someone was letting the actors just go bonkers. I thought they were too over the top. It's in particular, the captain oh, of the guard, or okay. whatever it is, he is just shouting everything and so was the villain shouting everything and i was just like okay dude you're the top dog you don't need to shout i just thought it was a little too much in general i mean the story is inoffensive it's not bad Mm. but it's not great so it's not a 20 you know we're going to come across this a lot with the key to time there's there's a lot of tense i i did love the premise of the guardian and etc and the key to time with six storylines that make a cube. Romana is good and she's coping with some guy who's like not really connected, not mm. really connecting to her. He like walks back to his TARDIS and she's just magically there. I don't know. That was weird to me. I was just kind of like, come on, writers. That makes something, some kind of device that takes two seconds. I don't know. Have her transporting in or I don't know, something. And, Stop um, to transmit noise. Let's use it. Yeah. Yeah. I found the Mongolian Tudor... <laughs> Cultural stylings, uh, interesting. They were interesting. Uh, (laughs) That was kind of fun. Uh, I think that's where uh, Sen got the Game of Thrones idea, looking at that. Yeah. Kind of like a mishmash of cultures. The Jethric thing was kind of funny. Screamstone. The monster that was protecting the family jewels. Uh, Phrasing. He's a small monster, but then we see more monsters in the caves, and they're just the same size. The second you fucking see it, this is like this rubbery foot tapping under a door. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Is that it? It is literally a rubber toe. I know, it's sad. (laughs) It would have been better if we'd never seen the monsters, and we just heard sounds. Agador's only shit when he turns up, and then you go, oh, Agador, you're a bit shit, aren't you, mate? Agador's brilliant otherwise, when he's a statue, he's fantastic. Exactly. It's better when you see the actors reacting to something horrible off screen. You don't need to see it. Like that giant rat in in Wang Chiang. It's better if we didn't see the rat. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Agador, though, we did get a bit of Tom twiddling a pocket watch and giving it a bit of Karuna Park. Yes. We got a bit of like hypnotism out of Tom. <laughs> Not seen that for a while. That's nice. Agador was a much better monster visually than this. Oh, curse of Peladons. Just all the Peladons are better than this. Oh, hell yeah. Peladons Ag- brilliant. At least Agador was tall. You know? <laughs> that was the thing. I it was just like it was it was it was a hair's breadth short of being the fucking murka. That's a stupid six-legged. Yes. Oh, it was just it was so close to being that shit. I didn't enjoy the principle, the idea behind Ramana that she was kind of like naive but overeducated. Yeah. You know, whereas usually it's the doctor being the know-it-all and snobby and all this stuff. And in this case, it was her being all like know-it-all and blah 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 blah. And him just looking at her like 
So I liked her that way. And I liked the jacket that he gives her. He's like, here, put this on. It's the fluffy Las Vegas show girl or something. I was like, okay. The vision I had in my head, that scene between Romana One and Baker's doctor, I pictured in my head Pertwee and Hurt walking through the door to the council room from the back and looking at him and going, why are you acting like an uneducated git? You're smart. Mm. Why is he acting like a tool? I think maybe he was being contrary to her. Like, she's got this pretentious thing going on, and so he's just going to pretend to be absolutely stupid in her presence. The two con men, they were like the most interesting part. And yeah. maybe the astrologer who, you know, he was just basically Galileo or Copernicus or whatever. I, I felt yeah. like I should have been yeah. more annoyed by him than I actually was. But I quite liked it. <laughs> I kind of wish they had fleshed him out a little bit better, given him a better part. But anyway, him and the con guys, Garen, uh, were yeah. pretty good, even though everybody here was just hammy or acting badly. And the astrologer at the end, his death scene was, oh my God, I was just like, Oh, no, please, come on. It was proper Shakespeare. The nine corpses of all of bloodbath. It was proper fucking everybody dies. <laughs> it was terrible. Again, the acting just kind of made it worse than it needed to be because it's a Robert Holmes script. I, mm. you know, I, I have respect for Robert Holmes, but this episode didn't pull it off. And I'm not going to blame him. I'm going to blame the actors That's and the director. Crazy. Oh, and is the Guardian really a good guy? I mean, he's supposed mm. they present him. Oh, well, that all comes out, doesn't it? That's all There's gonna... a little suspicion in the in the background, like, is he good? Is he really the good right. witch of the North? Well, is it or... nobody, nobody trusts Colonel Saunders? Right. Yeah, you know, he's got those chickens in a, in a factory and they're unhappy. No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, it starts off big with the TARDIS sort of being plunged into darkness and big choral break. And then there's this kind of mafia-esque godfather figure dressed like a southern gentleman sat there drinking cocktails. And that yeah. somehow makes you not trust him. I disliked yeah. him from the start. I remember disliking him first time I watched this. The whole plantation owner vibe, it's not a good one. Yeah, that's right. It's a plantation owner or you know, a villain from a James Bond movie. And Tom plays it quite. I mean, I know what Sen said about his acting and stuff, and it is. He look. He's a, he's a bit lost there. Yeah, but yeah. he does play it very wary. You're and right. That's, that's out of character. That is out of character. I've never liked the fucking Guardians of Time though. Any of them. I don't care what fucking color they are. We don't need them. We don't need them. No. Just kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Romana turns up, yeah, uninvited, but very welcome by the dads. And the the, the doctor and Romana, they don't hang around. I think they pretty much get straight on the job. Hey, phrasing. Not too much banter and backwards and forwards. I think there's just enough. Then off on the adventure, and I think they complement each other from the get go quite well. Yes, there's that. Yes, Tom's uh-huh. acting, but I think that the script and everything they complement each other pretty well. She's just great from the get-go she's just terrific as soon as she hits the screen intellectually she's all over him she's got that air of intelligence but she's also got that air of youth as you say she's clever but she's not as wise as the doctor she's not as traveled she's not got the experience you know he might have just scraped through on whatever it is which is a fun line it's a funny line yeah but she's i'm a bit of a sapia file though i dig no, yeah. Hot, hot intelligent brunettes are completely my vibe. Yeah. It's a nice contrast to what was there before. So good, good brains and a nice neck. That'll do, mate. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> and, and yeah, they start as they mean to go on a few barbs, but they don't mess around disliking each other for too long, which is great, straight into the story. And the relationship develops as they go, really. Looking back, that's really what we needed. That's exactly what we want. And they just crack on with the story and canine starts calling a mistress and that's all it takes for me boom she's part of the team i think that's great 
Um, I've got a general question for you two. Is she the noblest Romana of them all? Oh, the okay. best. Which is the best Romana? I I like the other Romana. I do. Romana 2 was a cookie cutter companion who was better at it than most. Yeah. That's true. Romana 1 is a Time Lord. Yes. And it's something yeah. new and something different. And it's wonderful. And they completely abandoned it with Romana 2. No, they didn't. There's moments where she's very... No, she starts by screaming and getting some rocks falling on her. Romana 2, come on. Yes. And Romana 1 did no. towards the end. She you know, she lost a bit of that towards the end as well, but I think that may have been a bit down she, to the There are scenes where she is very on top of it. <laughs> Phrasing. She's got a, a little bit of that superiority thing happening and stuff. She pulls it off in a more likable way. Phrasing, boom! <clears throat> What's that adventure with the E space and all that? Warriors the- Gate. Yes. Oh, Romana 2 Swan really Song. Is, that. Yeah. yeah. That was the only one to me where she acted like a legitimate Time Lord. Maybe it was the costumes, but Rebos seemed to have some sort of Shakespearean or Wagnerian vibe going on. Ian Cuspidson and the others, as I say, fine collection of regional accents, which they actually brought into the script. They were so comedic. But that was a big comedy chorus. Yeah. So, yeah, the story's yeah. nice enough with just enough history and flavor. It's got good, solid support from some mostly solid supporting talent, but it's kind of milk toast. It's a bit sort of hostess twinky. It, it almost feels like a character piece or some sort of classic play I should have studied in school and I'm obliged to like, but I actually probably don't. Yeah. Uh, the graph <laughs> is an absolutely nasty little piece of work, though he does seem to have a double standard with his right-hand man dies, and that sends him proper over the edge. I thought he was actually quite well played, but it, it is all very larger than life and very Shakespeare. That seeker, though, she'll never Ooh. fucking work again. I mean, a standout, shockingly bad performance. She clearly fucking missed some rehearsals. Yep. Looking back, it's just me, like, three locations, really, in a corridor, maybe four locations. But I actually thought they were pretty well used, and it doesn't feel all that claustrophobic because you do get outside, you do get on the roof. I think they do give us a world even if that world is a bit standard BBC costume department fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And season 16, around this time, stuff like this really started to stand out because basically production and recording standards got better. The rubber monsters got less forgivable. And, you know, we've still got power of grill to go. (laughs) So, And, and the thing is, the tech got better around the world. And Doctor Who looked worse than it did six years earlier. Yeah. I noticed, and and of course, none of these have been upscaled, so it's all in standard Mm -hmm. def. When they shine the, what was actually pretty good fake sunlight through the the console room doors, oh, you could see the the chips and the dings and Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that's Mm -hmm. breaking in the console room set. And I'm like, okay, I get that they didn't have money, but drop five pounds on a gallon of white paint just for that scene on the outside of the doors. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that probably just shows you how low their budget was. Well, yeah. the budget might have been low, but K9 was much improved, far less whiny when he moves, and much better on shit like, oh, I don't know, carpet. Poof, that, that's, yeah, that's revolutionary true. for K9. He did a rug. Okay, now I saw some sawdust move out the way as he went over it. I was just, they got some company in. 
and they put a regular guy on full-time secondment to actually operate canine and they got this um they got this one radio company because the old canine literally used to interfere with the cameras you go over something and all the cameras would crackle was, oh my oh, god they nearly totally scrapped him after this because when i was a kid i put a petition together i was in the newspaper and everything got about 308 signatures something like that to try and keep canine in doctor who <laughs> oh really newspaper for my sadness oh. Because basically he was shit and he just interfered with everything. And so he's, you know, he's he's much improved. So all in all, it's not one I revisit often, but neither is anything in the key to time. Probably Paracrawl is the one I do revisit often cause just because it's a chuckle fest. When I do revisit this, it's comfortable. It's not brilliant. And there's better and worse in this season for sure. But it's not bad either. I'd say, yeah, give it a go. Happily give it a go. But don't expect well, wonders. <laughs> it's mercifully short. If, yeah, Four episodes. <laughs> I did actually fall asleep during it and had to pick up the last two episodes again. I woke up and went, oh, fuck, I missed the last two episodes. I fell asleep. So, but I am old. <laughs> was smart um, enough to watch it with lunch so I didn't fall asleep. Right. Oh, I can easily <laughs> fall asleep at lunch nowadays. Shit. Little siesta is my it's perfect little yeah. siesta. Sometimes I just lie down on the office floor while I'm working. So, okay. no wheel of hoe uh, as our next episode will be moons of madness mr fibberly uh pirate planet that's a good one that's a good is one it now? is it well that's it's like, I watched, come on i watched it recently i'm like, mm, sure this was better but hey it's douglas adams so it gets it gets an extra fucking hole for that <laughs> i love me douglas adams is possibly all around my favorite author um yeah not, but, not and the thing is he wasn't my favorite author until i read dirk gently that he he balanced the serious with the comedic far better, better i think in dirk gently than he did hitchhiker's guide but i hated his era of who i know i know god and I love it for the distraction, but unfortunately, this is it. We are getting into Panto Who territory here. Yes. Pantomime yes. And there's a lot of that in Geestown. Each uh, one has its own problems. You know, Stones of Blood, I love Stones of Blood, but oh, it's just some fucking shocking editing in Stones of Blood. Though. They have to edit around Tom just not turning up on set and stuff like that. Here's a question. What's going on with his lip? Because... I He got bitten by a dog. Do you not do you not remember the, the publicity shots with Mary Tam when she was first coming in and all the publicity shots he's got like a plaster hanging off his lip? Oh my god. I thought it was a herpes sore. Syphilis. I was like, put hmm. the makeup on that. I I thought I thought for years that he just got hurt because he was loaded. Nope. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he might have tried to chat up a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it when I'm loaded. It can happen. But apparently that's the story. He was bitten by a dog. Canine. So uh, anyone got any quotes? I've got one. Okay. I've got two, actually. Don't use go on, you, you, you guys yeah. go first because I've got two and I'm bound to steal one of yours. Go T? Okay. Mine is... Okay. So the doctor says, I get on terribly well with the aristocracy. Oh, yeah. The Garon saying, there's no comfort in dying. I've always said it was the last thing I want to do. Uh, even Tom Baker, even like, Tom Baker cringed out of character at that. Like, oh, God, did you really just say that? <laughs> I know. That's terrible. Now, there, there is one from the graph, which I quite like, which is, uh, I flatter myself that I know how to get the best out of natives. But that's not the one I'm going to go for. The obvious one that I have to go for is Big Tom's last words, where he goes, only five more to go. 
And unfortunately, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> I've got to go another five of these fuckers to do. <laughs> Thanks again, folks, for supporting us and listening to this rubbish. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating on Spotify or iTunes or whatever your kids are doing now. Uh, we have been the Dirty Hoods Doctor Who podcast. Hope you are too. Bye. <laughs>